Well, this morning, as some of you are aware of, this is a PG-13 or PG uh, message. And uh, PG message means uh, parental guidance before and after. Uh, we're going to talk about some serious uh, topics this morning. won't be too graphic, but just want you to be aware of this. Uh, I've shared this before many times that uh, a PG message is really a gift to uh, you, especially if you have kids in your home, because it opens up the opportunity to talk about things that really are a part of their world, part of your world. And really the subject we're going to be talking about this morning uh, is a part of all of our worlds at some level, this idea of alternative lifestyle and this idea of uh, seeing it in the headlines, seeing it in entertainment, uh, this uh, same-sex attraction, what do you do with it, what's the response of Scripture, what's the response as a Christ follower. Uh, so we're going to be talking about this, and, and my hope is that uh, you'll uh, come out of a, a session like this, a message like this, uh, with, with not uh, uh, arrogance, but, but with some confidence to be able to share and speak into this subject. Um, also some compassionate uh, compassion and also clarity. Uh, how are we, those of us who claim to be Christ followers, uh, people that follow Jesus and uh, follow what the scripture says, how are we to interact with uh, this world? And can we have some clarity? All through our series, uh, we've talked about being able to have clarity, to be able to understand some of these dis uh, discussions that seem to be a little difficult. Uh, in your program today is our little option matrix. And it's not because some of these things are optional, but as a person, you have the options on how you're going to live your life. Uh, God has not created robots. Even those of us who have said we are going to follow Christ have options to follow his lead or not follow his lead. And so uh, we've gone through that. I think there's, yeah, there's even a link so you can watch uh, one of the messages where we unpack this idea and, and how to do that. But we're going to say that uh, all of us uh, can, as, as living in the world we live in, figure out with a little time, a little research, a little prayer, a little study of God's word, um, how to live in this world. So please take advantage of that. Um, also, you're going to notice in your uh, program um, some links uh, when it comes to Right Now Media. Uh, there's some, me there's some uh, even some that are just about 15 minutes, uh, six sessions that just start to unpack what we're talking about this morning. So again, I want you to encourage you there. Also, there are some other resources that we draw your attention to, some books, some videos. And uh, one book that I, I've been following or looking at right now is called Embodied. And uh, I'm finding it very helpful when it comes to this whole discussion. Uh, he starts off in the first couple chapters, uh, depending on where you're coming from, uh, might be a little difficult to swallow, but he does get there to a solid theological, biblical response. So I, I would encourage you, I'm listening to that on audiobook, and again, I'm finding it, finding it very helpful. Uh, it's already been mentioned, but uh, after our service today, we will be uh, having leftovers. We've done this a couple times. We'll meet in a large uh, kids' room, and we can talk about this, talk about some of the other ones that we've talked about this segment. Uh, today, we wrap up uh, 
can't touch this, this segment number three or number two. We'll be doing this again sometime in the spring after Easter. Next week, we go back to the Older Testament and looking at Samuel and just how the whole uh, king situation unfolds for Israel as we look to really uh, be seeking and making God more of the king in our lives. So uh, just a couple things before we uh, jump in, uh, actually five things, they're not in your notes. Uh, first, you're going to notice that I usually don't um, follow my notes in the sense that uh, I'm not reading a lot of things when I speak. Uh, this morning, I'll be reading some quotes to you. I'll be a little bit more tied to uh, my notes. Also, uh, I already mentioned this is a PG, and uh, again, I think it's age appropriate for uh, you with uh, you know, 10-year-old kids. Uh, if you're going, ooh, I didn't sign on for this. This is catching me by surprise. There is kid zone. I'm sure you can go out there and uh, drop your child off uh, uh, with one of the children's ministries, and that, that's fine. Um, also, um, you know, this whole idea of uh, talking about this, uh, I'm, I'm very aware that I'll be misunderstood. And, uh, you know, a sound bite, a little this, he said this, but didn't say that, all those kinds of things. So uh, please be aware that you need to listen to the whole message. Uh, so I may get to the thing you're thinking about. Um, you know, my, my goal is, to, to, you know, to communicate again clearly. Um, also, you know, I, I need, to, need to apologize. Uh, you know, churches historically have not been able to always allow for questions to be asked. It hasn't been a safe place for people to question certain things from Scripture. And so some of you that may have struggled with same-sex attraction or have a connection with that within your family or work or someone you really care for, uh, you know, our posture about being kind and loving but still, uh, you know, drawing uh, close to or standing on biblical principles, there, there's, a, there's a balancing act there. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about grace and truth and all of those kinds of things. So, so if you have tried to raise these questions in the past and tried to get un better understanding of your life and you've been shut out, written off, uh, blacklisted, that, that's unfortunate. That, that shouldn't be what happens. A church should be a place where you can investigate faith. So I make apologies for that. There are other subjects that as church families, as Christians, we've kind of not, not allowed room not to, uh, to, to talk about this. So, so anyway, so, so if you're in that place, you've experienced that, you know, again, my apologies for that. A lot of these uh, subjects that we're talking about, even the ones we've talked about recently, again, it, no kindness. And, that, and when I say kindness, this doesn't mean watering down the truth. It doesn't mean accepting things that, that uh, are not God's preferred will for anybody that are sin. But, but there is an approach that uh, allows for a discussion to take place and for understanding to take place. So, so again, uh, that's kind of where we're, we're coming from uh, this morning. Uh, some of you may be uh, familiar with a, with a story uh, that I've shared once while we were going on a, on a missions trip a number of years ago, not here, and uh, the, the youth group was going on it. We were going, to, down so, uh, going uh, to, to a South American country, and uh, one of the moms um, wanted to come on this trip and uh, to be with her, with her kids, and I, I thought that was good, and, and she uh, came fairly regularly to church. It was a larger church, so you could kind of get lost in the crowd a little bit more. 
and, and I knew she was a practicing lesbian, and I, I knew that she was married to another woman. And so she came in and wanted to meet with us and uh, talk, talk with me about going on this trip. And, and I had to explain that in this situation, uh, she, she, wouldn't, she couldn't go on the trip. And uh, she said, why? And there were tears, and, and, and I tried to unpack it and tried to be as, as loving and kind, but also, you know, not affirming a behavior that uh, Scripture doesn't seem to uh, uphold, and I'm saying that gently doesn't uphold. And so, so we talked about it, we talked about it, and um, sh she, she got it. And I, and I was a little concerned that, that she was just going to come, you know, really, really, you know, vehemently just hostile. And uh, in this case, she, she really wasn't. Her son still was able to come along the trip. I just said, you know, um, if, if you come along the trip and we just do, like, painting and things like that, and you're standing, uh, you know, at a wall painting, and another teen comes up to you and says to you, uh, so, tell me about your life. And they ask, are you married? And you go, yes. And you go, yes, I'm, I'm married. And, and the, the, the other teen goes, well, what's your uh, husband like? And the teen goes, well, uh, I'm not married to a, a man. I, I'm married to another woman. And, uh, and, and going through all that, I said, then we would, in a sense, be affirming a behavior that, that again, and I'm going to unpack this, that we just don't see in Scripture. And so, so we went through that, and we were living in the capital of New Hampshire at the time, so I was very uh, aware that this could be like a front news uh, paper kind of thing. And, uh, and it wasn't, and it wasn't. And she, you know, uh, you know allowed her, her son to go along and, you know, was fine and all of that. But, uh, you know, again, that, that, that balance of affirming the value of a person but not approving of behavior. And you're going to see that, that tension. And, and that applies to all of us in all kinds of different places of life, not affirming uh, or evaluating a person, but not affirming or approving of a behavior. So anyway, there's not going to be a lot of stories today. <laughs> it's just going to be kind of walking our way through this. And uh, this really begins a conversation. I would encourage you, encourage, encourage you to take advantage of some of those resources that uh, we've suggested, recommended, because th this, this is, this, there's a lot of thinking that uh, goes behind this. So again, we're going to start off by the Bible, uh, the Bible and homosexuality. What does the scriptures say about it? And again, we could, we could spend weeks on this. And there at one time I thought about spending a couple weeks on this, but I just thought it would just start the conversation, uh, make sure you understand this is a safe place to ask those questions, and you can talk about it. We can, you, if you have questions, you can, you can see me. So we're going to start off in Genesis when we see uh, creation, and we see the first people on the planet. God makes these people, Adam and Eve. And so we read this, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Uh, just a reminder, sometimes we think of a helper being subordinate, um, being, being not uh, having the same uh, value. But if you look at other Psalms, you'll see that God himself refers to himself as a helper. Same concept here, coming alongside. We've talked about the roles of men and women a few weeks ago, so I'm not going to go through that all again. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. A better translation would be from the side. He had taken out of the man and brought, uh, he brought her to the man. That is why a man leaves his mother 
her father and mother and is united to his wife and they became one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. So first real, uh, you know, basic uh, thought from scripture is this. God created male and female. Uh, That was a part of God's design. Uh, There's reasons for that. That's how population increases, uh, male and female. Uh, There's this idea of um, that uh, there are different uh, creations, different uh, Men and women are made in the image of God, but uh, this idea that you need a man, a female, and a and a male to procreate, and we see this in this term uh, dimorphic, uh, that's for reproduction. So God created male and female, and uh, it, it, it's very very clear. Now, when we get into a conversation like this, and desires and what you're thinking on the inside and some people say well you know i'm a i'm a i'm a the different sex in in the wrong body and these kinds of conversations and and again when people are feeling those things uh you, you know you you've got to have some tender care to that you can't just write them off those those feelings are real to them and so you need to you need to wrestle with that you need to talk with them but sometimes people will bring up this idea of intersex uh, the condition of having both male and female organs or sexual characteristics and really as they've done these studies and uh, it's one in 2000 uh, you know or in a sense um, have have uh, have this situation have this situation are intersex to some degree but at the same time they still are male and female and only one percent of that one in 2000 have both uh, characteristics and I, you know so that is I had to go do a little math on this look to see if the number was out there and so that is point zero one eight percent but again if you uh, were to find yourself in a hospital and uh, were unable to communicate uh, you they would give you and they were trying to you know help you because you had some accident you would either be male or female that there would there would be no other physical distinction they would uh, understand that from uh, the get-go and they would understand that now another term that comes up and again i would i would refer you to let me just go back to this book right there embodied uh, this is very very helpful to the discussion so i'd encourage you to take a look at that if you want to get more into all these details uh one of the things that he'll say is when you meet someone especially someone who's uh, trans they would classify them trans he would say when you meet one trans you've met one trans and the idea with that is there are so many variations there are so many different thoughts and and all of this that to 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 do over generalization is 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 not helpful it's not it's just it just doesn't work so you just need to you need to understand that as you think about this so when we look at transgender it's an umbrella term for the many ways in which people might experience and or present or express or live out their gender identity uh, differently from people whose sense of gender identity is congruent with their biological sex and wow there's a lot in there and this idea that you could say well you know i just don't agree with that and, and that's that's fine and and i don't see that but if someone is experiencing that 
feeling that, you've got to kind of take them where they're at. That doesn't mean, again, you're affirming it, you're approving of it, or all that, but you're trying to take the value of a person and have a discussion so that you can point them, as a Christ follower, we'd say point them to Christ and point them to grace and truth. And so, you, you know, you, you work this out. Now, it's also interesting in reading this. Uh, this is, you know, this whole thing about nurture and nature and all those kinds of things. And, you know, we think about masculinity and we think about femininity. And, and we think that that's hardwired into us. And to some degree, it is hardwired. But there's some pieces that, that aren't hardwired. I was very shocked to read this, that in 1918, the color that was more masculine, at least in people's thoughts, was pink. That, uh, and, and it's, you know, it was, you can go find journals, uh, certainly nurture plays some role, but pink and blue are a classic example of this. A hundred years ago, pink was considered a masculine color, while blue was feminine. According to the Ladies Home Journal, 1918 article, pink uh, being made, being more decided and stronger color is more suitable for the boy, while pink, which, uh, or while blue, which is more delicate and dainty, is prettier for the girl. So when we look at these things, there is some, I don't want to use that word, uh, there, there, is, there is some nurturing that takes place, and, uh, you know, he does a whole, um, section on you know if you were to look at uh, you know does talks about this story about kd and j and he talks about how kd and j were best friends and he speaks about how you know they they just they just they were they were just really solid solid friends uh, uh j went off to war kd did too to some extent but didn't always go off and Katie liked to play the harp and play music and write poetry and, and all this kind of stuff. They would, they would hug, not in a sexual way, but just because just they were good friends. And even in the description, it talks about them kissing each other on the cheek and that, that kind of thing. And uh, then he kind of unpacks this, and then he says, you know, uh, Jay was off to, to battle, and, he, you know, he was killed, and Katie was all, all upset and wrote all these poetry and all this, this kind of stuff and was crying and weeping. And then the bottom line is, like, he's like, you know where I'm going with this? And he goes, this is a description of King David and Jonathan. And it actually talks about them having a friendship that was closer than one. It was not homosexual. And some people try to make a case for that. But it was just a tightness. So, so, so understanding, and I know I'm really like skating on thin ice because some of you are going like, what? But when, you're, when you really look at that, there are certain characteristics that are nurturing. Uh, and there are certain that are nature. And, and we just have to understand that. Like, again, I was... I was, you know, shocked about this pink thing because I joke about pink flamingos all the time. And, you know, and people then give me pink flamingos all the time because I don't say I don't like them. And, uh, you know, back if I was in 1918, I'd be like, yes, pink flamingos are awesome. And, you know, and all that kind of thing because that was the culture. So sometimes when you and I as, let's say, Christ followers, uh, evangelical Christ followers, again, labeling stuff, you know, and make these statements, we need, we need to do some of our research because sometimes our research is off a little bit and somebody else who's coming from a different persuasion, different thought process, uh, 
actually a little bit more educated on our own faith, and they know some things we don't know. I'm just going to say this so this will get me into more trouble. Uh, by the way, you can text message or email me at Dave Spencer. I'm controversial.com, but, uh, you know, for your thoughts on that. But, um, you, you know, sometimes we get upset about Christmas and holidays. Well, well, holiday actually means holy day. It actually means holy day. So, so no, some people don't, when you say happy holidays, you're saying happy holidays. That, I mean, that's, if you go and look at the word, uh, even the, the phrase goodbye mean, originally was God bless you till we meet again. So, so sometimes we don't, you know, just just need to do a little more research and, and think about these things a little bit more and see uh, where they're coming from. Um, also, there's this, again, we don't have time to get into all of this, but there's this idea of di gender dysorphia. Uh, originally, it was called gender identity disorder, and obviously that doesn't, disorder doesn't play well in our society and uh, is a uh, uh, psychological term for distress that some people feel um, when their internal sense of self doesn't match their biological sex. And again, I, you know, research, try to, try to think through where somebody's coming from, not to affirm their behavior, but to affirm their value. And all of us are made in God's image. That, that's the starting point. And, uh, you know, if we were to look at all of our lives, there are things in our life different consequences for our sin, but things in our life that people should be valuing us as a person, but not affirming our behavior. And so going along with all of this, so you got male and female, so obviously God created sexual uh, intimacy. And uh, that is a part of who he's made us to be as male and female. Uh, in 1 Corinthians we read, there are people who will not get to enjoy his kingdom, those who are sinned sexually, those who worship idols, those who commit adultery, men who let other men use them for sex or have sex with other men, those who steal, those who are greedy, those who drink too much, those who abuse others with insults, and those who cheat. And this is a big blanket of no-no. As a Christ follower, those none of those things are supposed to be a part of our behavior. And quite frankly, if we were to push all these to some extent, we would find ourselves um, uh, guilty. Uh, have you ever cheated? I'm guilty. When I play Monopoly, watch out. Watch that bank. I'm going to take some extra money because I'm about winning. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, Cindy's... Uh, did a test to that so with the little girls isn't that terrible my little girls are now five and six so i just wanted to win no matter what but anyway so you know and that and again that's not to make light but it is to say wow th there there are plenty of things we need to pay attention to if we're following christ again different consequences um but it's you know the fact that all these things are um, lumped together is is important. So when it talks about intimacy, and we've dealt with this in the last prior weeks, we're inside the bounds of marriage, a man and a woman, and and we could walk through all that. Uh, we're we're going to see, we would see, though, we would be hard-pressed, I think impossible, for you to show me some passages, even one passage, where, where same-sex practices 
are actually celebrated in Scripture. You, you, you can't find any. You can find other things that are celebrated, but you, you cannot find. And I, I know when I've talked with some of my uh, gay acquaintances or even, I would say, friends, and uh, they've, they've been Christians, and someone say, well, you can't, you can't be a Christian if you're, well, I, I know some people that are stuck in pornography, stuck in cheating, stuck in insulting, abusing others, that, that have said yes to Christ. There's just a lot more in their life they need to say yes to Christ about. And um, so, you know, I've talked with them, and, you know, because I've, I've said to them, man, if you could show me from Scripture, not not from my perspective, but actually show me from Scripture uh, something that's not, uh, you know, theological gymnastics, I would actually be happy because it would take a lot of heat off what what I see coming from Scripture. And, and I, I've had I've had I had a pastor friend who was gay and married to another man, and they had kids and. And all of that stuff, and and he he just could, couldn't come up with that. He came up with some other things, which I'm not going to get into. But it wasn't, you know, he he just could not come up with a passage, a story from Scripture that embraced this. So it really is that God created sexual intimacy between a man and a woman. Now it gets interesting as you start to talk about this, you know, and this whole thing about. Uh, uh, presenting as how God has made you, and, so, and we'll say a couple more words about that, but you can even go back into Older Testament, and there's this idea, a woman must not wear men's clothing, and a man must not wear women's clothing. That is disgusting to the Lord your God. And some would say, well, a couple verses over, it says that, you know, you shouldn't mix wool and cotton together, too. So what, you know, so, you know, all of us have uh, clothing that has more than one kind, or some of us have planted, well, I haven't planted anything, but you mix your seeds a little bit, and that's a no-no, and, and all, so what, what does that mean? If you really look at this seriously, and you're going to say, well, I don't think you're looking at it seriously, but if you really look at this seriously, this is the idea of taking on the role of another sex that you are not. We live in a day and age where, you know, clothing, you know, hairstyles, all that, any, anything kind of goes. And, and there's a place where that isn't taking on the role uh, of someone else. I, I know uh, sometimes Cindy and Gusto like enjoy wearing uh, like my sweatshirts or, or what have they or, or this or that. I, I, know, I know Cindy's mom loves wearing uh, Cindy's dad's bathrobe after he passed away it just i mean it's a man's bathrobe it just makes him feel close to close to dad and but that's not what this is saying it's saying taking on the role of that so as, as we think about this again i've kind of already said this a homosexual orientation is no different than any other orientation someone can have toward a particular lifestyle that is outside of god's preferred will and if we go back to that corinthians passage and there are a lot of things yes i need to stand firm with god's word but there's a lot of things in there that apply to me and then there's some things that don't apply to me because that's not my experience sometimes i've had people come up to me and go why don't you speak on this subject more often and i said because i don't know i, I want to speak to the problems or the issues or the alignment with what god would have us to be that that we're wrestling with as a as a larger group of people that those are the ones so i'm not going to pick something that uh 
that has really no application to us so we can say, wow, that kind of behavior is bad. And we're all going, yeah, it's bad. And it doesn't, it doesn't affect us. It doesn't speak to our hearts. So when I'm looking at scripture and I'm uh, asking the Lord what we should talk about, I, I want to talk about the ones that kind of zing me a little bit, zing us a little bit, because we want to keep growing. So, you know, every few years uh, we, we get back to this and, and we, we talk about this uh, for that uh, reason. So, uh, you know, you can get into Romans, and, uh, you know, I've, I've talked to some folks who want to take Romans out of the Bible. They, they don't like what Paul has to say, and I don't think we obviously can do that. And when you read in Romans uh, 1, 25 and 26, and all this because they traded the true God for a fake God and worshipped the God they made instead of the God who made them, the God we bless, uh, the God who blesses us. Oh, yes, worse refusing to know God, they soon didn't know how to be human either. Women didn't know how to be women, and men didn't know how to be men. Sexually confused, they abused and defiled one another, women with women, men with men, all lust, no love, and then they paid for it. Oh, how they paid for it. Emptied of God and love, godless and loveless, wretches, since they didn't bother to acknowledge God, God quit bothering them and let them run loose. And so we read that, and some of us are going, yeah, that makes them bad. But then I focus from my personal life on the last phrase there. God quit bothering them and let them run loose. I ask myself, where in my life have I kept pushing against what God would have me to do or be? And finally, God says, all right, go for it. See how that works for you. I think all of us who would say that we're Christ followers have had things in our life that we don't agree with, we don't like, and we keep pushing against it. I can remember doing that with kids, uh, not, not ones where it was going to have huge ramifications in their life, but they want something, they want to do something, they want to do something, they want to do something, they want to, you know, whatever. And finally, I say, okay, go ahead and do that and see how it works out for you to teach them a lesson that maybe dad and mom do know something about what's going on. So, so, so this isn't just for uh, the subject we're talking about now. This is just for all of us. So I hope those of us who go, wow, this isn't a part of my life. I don't know why Dave's even addressing this. I hope you take away and go, what applies to me? But at the same time, as you look at that and see what applies to you, then I hope that you say, wow, I need to have some of the same grace and truth, but some of the same grace that I want people to have in my life or towards me about my issue to this other issue. Uh, you know, no one is non-redeemable, thank God. No, no one is at a place where they can't change and can't grow. No one. So rather than pointing all at somebody else, and again, that's not minimizing things, but just getting on someone else's case and not saying, where, where, does, where do I uh, keep pushing it with God and he finally lets me go? Oh, see how that's going to work for you. Kind of have that posture. That might have a little more humility as, as we walk through a, a subject like this. Now, some of you are familiar with this, but eight years ago or so, maybe it was seven years ago, 
we as a church uh, had to come up with a statement on marriage because we felt we needed to have it. We have a doctrinal statement and uh, talked about how what we believe about God, being triune God, talked about you know not working for your relationship with God, your salvation, it's grace. All those kinds of ideas, the scriptures, we believe that the, the Bible is the word of God. We don't believe that the Bible contains the word of God. We believe that it is the word of God. So when we were wrestling with that, we came up with a statement because in our world, this was one of those things, we, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, when the church got started, they, they didn't think they had to actually say what marriage was. So we felt we needed some clarification. So I'm going to read it to you. It's, it's available um, in our doctrinal statement. You can stop by guest services to pick a copy of it up, but I will read it to you, uh, which kind of goes along with what we're talking about. We believe that God wonderfully and unchangeably creates each person at conception as male or female, and that these two distinct complementary genders together reflect the image of and nature of God. doesn't mean we are God, but we reflect the image of God. Therefore, we recognize that God created marriage to be exclusively the union of one man and one woman, and that the intimate sexual activities occur, occur exclusively within that union. And then you see this little asterisk down there, and then we define how that is to be expressed uh, in our lives. So this statement does not give Senate Community Church an excuse to be mean, hateful, and uncompassionate. If you struggle with same-sex attraction, you need to know that you matter to God and you matter to this church. The real issue is not homosexuality. The real issue is sexual purity. God created sex for our pleasure and for our good, but he also gives us boundaries for sexual purity. Sex is to be enjoyed between a man and a woman within the covenant of marriage. If you're single, sexual purity is not having sex. If you're married, sexual purity is having sex with your spouse and no one else. Goes on to say, we all struggle with sinful desires, but faith is trusting God's facts over our feelings. Jesus himself was tempted in every way and overcame. In Jesus, we find the grace and mercy we need to help us in our time of need. So hopefully that statement clearly communicates the scriptures, clearly communicates truth and grace. You know, and when we get into this discussion, and again, we, we just only have so much time. I hope you, those of you who are in community groups, uh, can work through some of this message base. And again, I would be more than willing to sit down and talk more about this with people in another setting. That's why we have leftovers, and that might be just the beginning of a further conversation. Again, we are a safe place to ask questions. But when you and I say that is how God made us about anything, it's a dangerous place. If I say, well, God may be prone to be angry. And so I just, that's the way I am. So when something doesn't go well, I get angry and I pound stuff and sometimes I break stuff. None of us would say, oh, well, well that's how God made you. We, we, we wouldn't go with that. Even if God made you. Last week, I... I uh, mentioned that, uh, you know, I, I don't believe there's any science that, that proves from birth 
you know, same-sex attraction, that God made you that way. But even if they did prove something, it still doesn't make a behavior proper if it goes against what God says in his word. So, um, you know, so this, this statement here, it's really dangerous to say God made me this way, so it's okay for me to pursue that. Very dangerous. Because where is that line? How do you determine what's okay and what isn't okay? Very dangerous. So, so, so we, would, we would totally disagree with, with being able to say that. Um, you, you know, we, we would say that's wrong. That, that just is, is not a, 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 proper, a proper statement in any, in any way. So what do we do with that? What do we do when we feel we have a leaning to certain kinds of behavior? What do we do with that? And I think 1 Corinthians 10, 13 reminds us, but remember that temptations that come into your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can stand up against it. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so you will not give in to it. And that includes everything. Everything. And, you know, when it comes to our desire for intimacy and all that goes along with that, you cannot say that's the one desire that this verse doesn't work for. You can't say that. On, on any intimacy level, whether it's heterosexual or homosexual, you can't say, well, you know, that's true for everything but this. It isn't. It can't be. If it is, then then who gets to decide? Oh, here, here's the one thing that that uh, God's not strong enough to help you deal with this temptation. Or here's two things. Or here's three things. Or here's four. Where, where do where do you stop? I, and and even even if it was ten, this scripture says that He is faithful. You know, sometimes we have to get to the basics and say, Do we even believe God is good? Because a good God doesn't set us up for failure. A good God provides for our needs, our, provides for our salvation, provides to have our sin covered over, but also provides that we don't have to live in bondage anymore. Is that easy? Absolutely not. If it was easy, Paul wouldn't have felt um, inspired by God to write this out because it wouldn't it'd be, oh yeah, that's no big deal. Don't worry about that. We wouldn't quote this verse all the time because we'd say it's no big deal. It's not needed. But it is needed. We need to be reminded that God is faithful to us in any circumstance, no matter what it is. Mentions it in the statement, Jesus, our high priest, is able to understand our weakness. Isn't that so wonderful that Jesus experienced being a human being? Fully God, fully man, can't totally unpack that in my limited thinking. Maybe you could figure it all out, but I just know the scriptures say fully man, fully God. Can't, can't, um, can't separate that totally out, but he gets you. Saw that maybe on the Super Bowl commercial. He does get us. He's experienced life as we've experienced it. So I know sometimes when I have a problem, I like going to someone who had the same problem and has kind of gotten through it. It encourages me. Jesus didn't give in to temptation. Tempted in every way. Every way. Does that mean he was tempted like, you know, same? 
I can't say that's the one thing he wasn't tempted. Now you're going to realize he was tempted in every way. What's every way? It's every way. So, and he didn't give it. He experienced life as a full man completely, fully God, fully man. You take one of those pieces out, and it starts to all break down. He was tempted in the same way. With Jesus as our high priest, we can feel free to come before God's throne where there is grace. Then we receive mercy and kindness to help us when we need it. I like that. Not just to say, oh, you have grace and mercy. I understand. No, when we need it. So there's actually an empowerment for you and I actually to be free from these things. We look at the Israel and we look at how they were freed from captivity from the Egyptians and we see that real story really happened but there's also some symbolism there that their their chains were broken and they had to learn how not to live as slaves anymore and there's all kinds of problems because of that because they were so used to it you and I if we've said yes to Christ have repented of our sins said that's wrong I want to change the course of my actions with God's help that, that he can actually give us the grace to move in that direction. Sometimes it's two steps forward, one step back. But that grace is there, and he gives us mercy to empower us to actually change. And not just exteriorly change, but change on the inside. If this is not true on every area of life, then, then, then I have to go, wow, is my salvation, my, my promise, my hope of eternity with God a sure thing? It's either all in or all out. I, I, you start picking it apart, and it, it just, it just it doesn't work. No, the resurrection is so, so crucial. Because he was resurrected, we also have the hope that we will be resurrected. The symbolism of baptism just a few weeks ago. So then we receive mercy and kindness. So, acceptance, not approval. Acceptance, not approval. Working that into our own life, working that into the lives of those around us. The woman at the well, acceptance, not approval. You can look at this on your own. John 4, 1 through 25. Jesus has a conversation with someone he wasn't supposed to talk with. All kinds of cultural things going on there. And he values her as a human being. But also speaks to the things that outer alignment. You remember the story. The woman caught in adultery. Same thing. I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. Same concept going on there. We need to take that principle and apply it to all of life. So when you have someone that you're connected with who has same-sex attraction is acting on it, you need to learn how to navigate. I need to learn how to navigate to accept them as a person but not approve of behavior. The same way I did that with my kids growing up when they would do little selfish things. I value them, I love them, but I didn't accept their behavior. Same concept, same concept in your life. You, I am not perfect on this side of heaven, 
And so there are things that are misaligned. There's behavior, there's actions, there's thoughts. And, and God values us. He sent his son for us, paid the ultimate price for us. But that shows that he did not approve of that behavior because if it was any other way, he would have pulled lever B. Jesus actually asked for lever B, and it never gets pulled. So acceptance, again, without approval. So I'm going to go through these really quickly. Graceless comments when it comes to this issue, this concern. First of all, the first one is God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. That's insulting. That's insulting. And that is a graceless comment. I don't think Jesus would say that. And, and really, th there's, a, there's an attitude behind that. That does not show grace, maybe truth, but not grace. Um, this one, and this one people would argue with, homosexuality is a choice. If you've really had a conversation with someone who wants to be free from this, uh, someone who has leanings of this, they do not feel like it's a choice. They, do, uh, they don't. If they could, if they could, if you could just throw a switch and it would go away, they, they would throw the switch. It's something they would say deep within them. How you unpack that, there are stories of, of people that have unpacked this and gone a different way. But, but to say this, this is not help. If you're trying to be helpful, if you're trying to lead someone to a place where they can say yes to Jesus or helping them with the struggle of working out their salvation, integrating it into their life, th this, this does not help the conversation. I would think you'd want to find comments that help the conversation don't destroy relationships and again every scenario is a little different with what communicates um, valuing the person accepting the person and approving of their behavior um, this one is really one from uh, more like in the 70s and 80s but this idea that homosexual sin leads to other sexual sins they, they've proven this out that that's not true you know, just like we could take something else with our lives and, and, and look at that. They real there's no statistics to, to to say that that's true. So so you know, I talked about my pastor acquaintance friend, and he was married to another man, and and we would have these discussions. And he ha had adopted kids, and he he he. And you're gonna say, well, how could he? He they were good parents. I know some heterosexual couples that were just horrible, abusive parents, and that wasn't this couple. So, so to say that's an automatic thing, again, it's just not a helpful conversation. And in this case, it, it's not true. The statistics show that it is not true. So again, if you're going to do grace and truth, it better be true. If you repent, God will take your homosexual desires away. Same kind of thing. It's a choice. I mean, I don't know about you, but I have some things in my life that I've prayed and asked God to take them away from me. And he hasn't. He's left me in the struggle. Some things, yes, but not everything. And if you have some 
concrete way to take every struggle you have, every temptation, and to pray and take the desire away so it never knocks on your door again, please come see me because I, I would like to write it right and preach a sermon on that because I know some of us way under the, uh, live under the weight of something that just we don't seem to be totally released from. That's, that's why this isn't heaven. This is earth broken world and we're still broken inside with some of these things so so again uh, that you know i know some guys who uh and now women who struggle with pornography and they've prayed wept cried and it's not gone they have to fight it on a regular basis um, another con uh, another phrase that's not helpful love the sinner hate the sin why do you even have to get into that? Uh, obviously, God hates the sin. God hates the sin. Ours is so, uh, uh, you know, uh, terrible that his son died on the cross for us. But, but again, that just, I don't know if that's just a helpful uh, uh, thing when you're, when you're trying to help somebody take steps uh, to, to know God or to, to again, to um, align their lifestyles the way they live with God. I, I don't know if that's, that, that's totally helpful. What are some graceful comments? I love you. Do you care for someone? Have you written somebody off? Do you actually love them, care for them, want the best for them? Some of the reasons why we as uh, churches historically uh, just haven't uh, done well with this subject is we really haven't loved people that have these desires. And we haven't created a community that's safe for someone that is not living these desires out, but not free from these desires, and is looking just to, to have people in their lives that care for them. Um, so, you know, you can look up those verses about love. Um, you know, um, understanding rejection. You know, if you're a Christ follower, you've probably experienced rejection in places, and, and so they've experienced that. Again, that's not affirming behavior but just the idea yeah I, I i get that i get that 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 that's hard let me let me come alongside you in this journey and help you take steps the steps that most people want to take or a lot do want to take um you know do 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 you even admit to being tempted uh, are you temptation free i again if you are i'd love to hear about that because I would love to be temptation-free. I have to, to work against that. I have to walk with God on a daily basis not to go down that road. And sometimes I know you have experienced, well, maybe you, you, know, you, you seem to get free from something, and you would say, wow, that doesn't bother me anymore. And then a year could go by, two years go by, and all of a sudden it's on the radar again. You go, I thought I dealt with this, and it's back. And it's not because you've dabbled in it. It's just, it's just back. So, uh, again, uh, understanding that. And uh, the next one is, I will be here for you. Hardest one for any person that's going through a rough time. When life is messy, are you here for that person? Or do you just don't want to deal with it? And you want to wipe your hands clean. I was saying this to my dad. We were coming back from something, driving somewhere, and, and we were talking about just life in general. And I said, you know, there were times, and I had to deal with this, that I wanted my three daughters to be well-behaved, not because I wanted them to honor God as much as I just didn't want to have to deal with the messes myself. 
It wasn't about their holiness, their righteousness before God, them living the way. It was more that, man, when they're messy, then I have to pick up the pieces. That is so selfish as a parent. I had a, I had a like a, wait a minute, Dave, that is wrong. That is, you just, you care that they do the right thing. You care that they study. So you don't have to deal with a kid that's not doing well in school. That's, that's kind of driving this, this, this conversation with them or this, this discipline with them. It's, it's not, you're not just trying to set them up to be solid Christ followers. You just don't want to deal with the message. And, and, and you know, again, so, you know, I am here for you. I'll walk with you through that. So here comes some really sticky ones, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, participation in a gay wedding. Have you ever been invited? What do you do as a Christ follower? And uh, this may seem uh, oversimplification, but I'm going to say this. If you believe your participation is enabling it to happen or facilitating its act, then the answer has to be no. You would be participating in something wrong. And I, I, I can talk with you about that more. This is enabling it. This is helping make it happen. And, and we can all shake out. We hear the stories on the news. We can all shake out what enabling is and what isn't enabling and, and all of that kind of thing. And, and I do think if you come before God and spend some time thinking about it, you can figure out if you're making this happen or not happen. That's why I would, nev I would never uh, you know, do a, ga a gay wedding. I, I just wouldn't be a part of it because I would be enabling it to happen. And I see it not being God's preferred will for a person, uh, I, I see it is, is sin, so uh, I, I wouldn't do it. And there's a lot of other things I wouldn't do. I wouldn't uh, sign a, a statement where someone's cheating and say they weren't cheating. I, I wouldn't do that either. I, you know, so you know, we could go through a list of those kinds of things, and I think you could go through a list of those kinds of things if you have integrity. And then this is the this is the hardest one, maybe um, attendance at a gay wedding. What 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 would you do? The one thing I would want to make sure that I was not communicating is that my love is not something that is doled out as a reward for good behavior. So I'd want to have that thought in there, and then I want to address this. I, you know, I, I've, I've said this the last time I talked about this was maybe four years ago. Uh, what would I do if one of my daughters, uh, you know, obviously they would know that I, I didn't think this was right. They would know that, but I wouldn't write them off from existence. I would not say that because you're doing this one specific thing that's out of God's preferred will, I'm going to have nothing ever to do with you. I, I, I would never do that. Uh, so I, I want to say, and because I haven't experienced this, I, I, can't, I can't say totally what I would do, but there, there are certain, you, you're going to differ with me on this, there are certain cases where I might sit in the back row and say, I don't, I, I think this is wrong, but I want you to know that as your dad, I will always love you no matter what you do. And uh, I hope I'm never put in that situation. Some of you already have been put in that situation. Uh, but I, I, would, I, would have to, I would have to wrestle with that. And I would never want any behavior uh, to, to say for money of my kids, to say that it hinge, my love hinges on their behavior. I, I'm happy that's the case with Jesus because if his love on for me hinged on my behavior, uh, I'm out. I'm out. 
So this isn't, and, and, and they would know, they would know, especially growing up at our house for all these years, they're in their mid-20s and on, they, they would know that this is by no means any approval of behavior, but it's valuing them as being one of my daughters. I've watched a friend who, uh, ha, who's the head of a big ministry have to walk through all of this kind of thing from a distance. And again, I, I can't get into that right now, but, th- but that's, that's what I would be thinking. So as, as, we, as we look at all of this and as we think about a bottom line, uh, this is the bottom line, and it doesn't just apply to same-sex attraction and all that. It, it really applies to all of life. Acceptance of a person can't be communicated as an affirmation of a behavior. So you accept, you value human beings, but you can't let it communicate an affirmation of a behavior. And for each situation, it's a little different. It's not situation ethics, but you know what communicates to those close to you what is affirmation of behavior and what is uh, valuing that person as a human being. So again, this is not an easy conversation. I I would challenge you to look at some of those resources um, and and work it through. I would encourage you to take a look at this book. Um, If we don't have it uh, listed somewhere, we'll we'll make sure it's on our Facebook page so you can find it. I, I would encourage you to look at the Right Now Media. There's some really good tools out there as you try to navigate this because this is not going away. This is just increasing, and and you need to have not a reaction to this, but you and I need to have a godly response to this that, again, is totally full of grace and truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, not really a fun topic to talk about. But Lord, I just ask that your spirit would be speaking to all of us, uh, those of us who have said yes to you, and that you'd help us to uh, learn how to be graceful, truthful people, and how to have a conversation that might open the door for reconciliation with you. We, we are thankful that somebody had those conversations with us at one time in our life where we were going in a direction that uh, wasn't your direction. So, Lord, help us with this. I I pray for the person that struggled with with these desires, and and I ask that in a certain way that they would be able to connect with someone who could help them with this, journey with them. And I pray for those of us who have loved ones that have gone through some of this and just just how hard it is, how complicated it is. And again, I, I just ask that you would help us one step at a time, to have the grace and truth we need. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name.